Welcome back to another episode of State of the Art, the podcast that sits at the intersection of art and technology. I'm Gabe BC, your host for the podcast, and this week I'm in New Orleans, having a great time. I'm here for Luna Fet, which is an outdoor video mapping festival. There's all sorts of uh, LED sculptures, light projections, interactive pieces, and I'm going to have a great time this week on the podcast interviewing the Arts Council Creative Director, Lindsay Glatz, who is the curator of Luna Fet. And also Camille Gross and Courtney Egan, who are two artists that are participating in Lunafet this year. Uh, I come down here for Lunafet every year, and it's it's a total blast. You know, New Orleans is not a bad place to come for work. <laughs> so we're going to have a good time this week on the podcast with three different people. And I'm also going to try and get some uh, exciting interviews with people on the street. We'll see how that goes as well. So first up is Lindsay Glatz. She is the Arts Council Creative Director in New Orleans and also the curator of Lunafet. Lindsay, thank you for joining me today. Thanks for having me, Gabe. So maybe you can start just by telling us sort of the history of Lunafet and what it is in the first place for those of us who have never experienced it before. Uh, so Lunafet is the Arts Council of New Orleans Annual Festival of Light, Art, and Technology, where we um, showcase light-based work. So this is, we started with one projection mapping installation that we premiered and viewed two times a night for a week, and now we've expanded to a four nights of festival across you know many city blocks where we have projection mapping as well as LEDs and light sculpture and you know art animated with light. And New Orleans is sort of known as this party town, uh, yes. but this is the first sort of technological uh, video mapping festival in New Orleans. Yes, um, I, th- I think honestly uh, in the U.S. So we when we started um, back in 2014. Projection mapping really wasn't well known in the U.S. We had a lot of people like, oh, are you showing a movie on the building? Like, what's happening? Um, and we were really proud that I think within the six weeks that we launched Lunafet, New York, Boston, and New Orleans um, launched light festivals, which we were we were really proud of because we felt like, you know, New Orleans were punching above our weight class there. Mm-hmm. Um, and since then, we've been the only um, annual festival. So we're the longest running large-scale projection mapping festival in the country. Wow. How many years has it been? Six. Six years. And yeah. it, has it evolved over those six years? Obviously, you started with just one building, right? That yeah. was, And that's Gallier Hall here in New Orleans. Yeah, Gallier Hall. It's our uh, former city hall. So it kind of has that, you know, monolithic, classic architecture. It's white. There's a park across the street. So it's a great, it's a great location. Um, and... I think we may have ended up being just a projection mapping festival, but sort of serendipitously, um, the front of Gallier Hall fell off after our first year. So a chunk of it did. So it was under construction, and we had to um, think on our feet, you know, keep the same festival dates. And so we brought in um, Jen Lewin's The Pool, which was a huge hit. And so that sort of opened up our our festival for other light-based works and interactive sculpture, which I think is really one of the things that makes our our festival great. Yeah, and Jen Lewin's pool, if you haven't seen it, is a bunch of these discs that are on the floor, right? And if you step on them, they light up they in different light patterns. Up. I mean, kids go crazy, parents go crazy. You know, we did some yoga classes on it. We did <laughs> dance performances. So that really, to us, that's kind of, you know, I think what makes Lunafet so great is that, and, and, light, fe- and light festivals in, in general, you're in the dark, so people kind of let their guard down a little bit. And, you know, I'll see, like, I mean, we have police officers who start like playing with the piece and like dancing <laughs> in the streets. And, you know, our mayor, our mayor comes out every year and loves it. And, you know, just you kind of, you again, like it allows you to, you don't think people are watching. So you just let loose and like people just really enjoy it. And, and we see them playing with the artwork and touching it and interacting with it. And, you know, that anytime that I as a curator can help create a sense of wonder and magic for people and bring that into their daily lives, like 
That's what we strive for. And what are some memorable pieces from Lunafet in the past six years? Oh, gosh. Besides was, the pool. Yeah. Oh, there's so many. Um, and I'm putting you on the spot here. Yeah, but. it's tough. Well, <laughs> one of my favorite pieces ever is Kaleidoscopic Delight. Um, it's as this kaleidoscope structure. And they came in, and so they had um, – you know, basically this kaleidoscopic tube. And at one end, you can create the visuals with, you know, they'll bring in feathers and boas and just different sort of textural pieces. Or, you know, sometimes people stick their face in there and, you know, you can see your face multiplied. And um, and then the other end, you see the visual. But once they came into our festival, we added projection to it. So now it's projected huge on the side of a building. And it's just so great for people to to see and interact with. Um, another piece I love is David Sullivan's Chroma Current. Um, this is one where if you sort of imagine um, you're, if you were lying in, in water and you move and you create ripples in the water, um, that's in the background you see a shadow and it creates light ripples. And it's just anytime people, again, can sort of see themselves reflected in the work, it's, it, it becomes really magical and special. Is that what you look for as the curator of the festival, some opportunity for people to interact with these works on the street? Not always. I mean, some works that are passive, I think, are really great. It's, you know, I, I, we definitely, it's kind of like playing a game of Tetris. Like, what are the anchors? You know, we have, we do our projection mapping on Gallier Hall, which is incredible. Um, you know, and these beautiful shows and really have started to add local artists into the mix, which is great. So we're elevating our local arts community to do large scale works. Um, and on the other end, so, we, you know, we have two anchors, and usually the second end is something that's, you know, sculptural, interactive, something like Jen Lewin's The Pool that a lot of people can go to and see, and it becomes a visual. But then we create these little breadcrumb moments of light. And that may be, you know, this year our theme is the Shadow Circus. So one of our installations is a very small circus tent that only six people, you know, can really fit in. And there's these little shadow puppet shows that happen. And, you know, that to me, when you're when you're throwing a party for now, I think— Probably this year we have 100,000 people coming to Lunafet, but you can also create those really intimate moments. It's kind of that balance. So we're, we're really open for a wide stretch of wide variety of work. And uh, what are some of the audience reactions this year? Oh, man. You know, it's, it's tough because every year you think, oh, can we top it? Like mm-hmm. the expectations are so high. You know, it's a free festival. So there's also a lot of um, people to make happy. That's a lot of, you know, from, for, is there something for kids? Is there something for adults? But, you know, we ha- we haven't gotten a complaint yet. So, you know, maybe <laughs> that, that maybe our balloons are priced too high, but that's it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you have these glowing LED balloons we, I've seen everywhere. We do. They're beautiful and magical. Um, so, yeah, you know, again, being able to create something that, like I think parents are parents are purchasing those because they're seeing their kids like wow I want those balloons like I want to be hold you know I want to hold the magic too and you have a piece this year in Lunafet yourself I do well, yeah. tell us a little bit about the piece that you created yeah we were sort of we had a little hole in our in our schedule in our schedule or our space so I we put in. Um, a, cr- a piece I created for Burning Man with uh, my fabricator, Will Nematov. Um, so together we worked on this concept for cloud swings. Um, it came about because my husband loves clouds and I love swings. So it's kind of a love letter to him. <laughs> um, but we, the swings are white. So that's essentially a cloud, a cloud structure. And you have two swings that sit underneath. And when no one's in the swings, it's just a white steady glow that is um, emanating from the top of the cloud. But once you sit into the cloud and start swinging, then it changes into color. Um, and that's kind of owed to we, uh, my very first Mardi Gras was really the time that I knew, you know, I'm from Chicago. So I knew New Orleans kind of became home during that experience. And, um, so we stayed up all night making costumes. We 
serendipitously decided to be the Wizard of Oz theme. So everyone was a character from the from the show and from the book. Um, and then we opened the door on Mardi Gras morning, and it was just magical outside. And it felt like that, for me, it felt like that moment in The Wizard of Oz where you go from black and white to technicolor, and I was like, I'm home. So tried to create that, you know, that sort of magic with the white the black and white cloud, and then you activate it with color. Yeah, those are, I mean, they're really great to watch people interact with, these yeah. giant swings with huge, what are the clouds made out of? Coroplast. Huh. So, you know, the, if you don't know what that is, it's what political signs or, you know, street signs that that kind of stake into the ground um, are. So it's, you know, we wanted something that was lightweight, but also durable and could stand up and, you know, to the rain. And what's the, you know, in New Orleans, uh, there seems to be a, a huge art scene, different sort of styles of art are done here. And, and a lot of it's, People often think of it as, as tied to Mardi Gras in some way, but obviously there's a huge contemporary art scene here as well. Yeah. Is there like an art and tech scene in New Orleans that's growing? Yeah, there slowly is. Um, you know, well, one of the things that's so great about Lunafet is that that we we really tried to tap into, um, well, at the time when we first started, we saw a lot of energy in contemporary art, in, in film, and in technology, but they didn't really combine. And so this was a way for us to kind of bring in those different sectors and and create something that all of them could connect with and also to use the use the ways that New Orleans is is known for so you know we're known for large scale public spec- spectacle and you know beautiful architecture so we kind of combined all those things here but um yeah so we're seeing you know a lot of our artists are starting to get different opportunities or you know, artist crews will throw Mardi Gras or Jazz Fest parties, and we're seeing like projection mapping kind of make its way into those experiences. Um, one of our Mardi Gras crews is called Chewbacca's, and that's it, really great. So like it's a per- named after Chewbacca. From yeah, Star- Chewbacca. Yeah. yeah, it's it's a it's a sort of play or satire on the Bacchus. We have the one of the traditional parades is Bacchus, so this is Chewbacca's, um, and it's very sort of sci-fi tech. And you know, we see a lot of the. Um, Parade installations that are, you know, it's a walking parade, so you'll see a lot of like LEDs and lights and lasers, and you know, we're we're seeing a lot of that kind of uh, infuse itself into New Orleans culture. Nice, yeah, it's interesting. Like thinking about even Brennan, who's an artist here, yeah. Brennan Steeles, yeah, yeah, because he's worked on Mardi Gras cruise for a long time. Yeah, he actually worked uh, for a while at Mardi Gras World and was, you know, the building essentially the large scale floats like giant you know my favorite of his was these giant row of rubber duckies that slowly got smaller and you saw you'd see them coming down the street so um there's a lot of talent here you know one of the one of the artists we've had um do some large scale pieces for us runs all of the lights for the crew of Endemian. so i think that's like 10 miles of parade float lights wow. at one time that he's controlling so i mean there's there's all these I think with art, it's just all these different um, areas of talent that come together that create something unique, and that's what's that's what's really great. And uh, also, I was thinking about the crew, the vaporwave crew here, yeah. which is, kind of fits in with the art and tech theme of this podcast. Yes, <laughs> but they, you, last year they mapped the entire Piazza d'Italia. Is that what yeah, it's yeah? The Piazza d'Italia is a really you guys should look it up. Um, it's just a really strange structure for New Orleans. I think it was originally built around the World's Fair, so it was sort of showing, but. It's got, you know, if you're a map, if you're a projection mapper, it's like your dream. There's so many angles and fun ways to play. And I mean, it kind of looks like a vaporwave work of art already. It does. It really just, you know, and, and when it's not animated with our projection, it has these strange sort of glowing neon lights that just you're like, it's classic sort <laughs> of neoclassic architecture. Yeah, it's wild. Um, but this year we had um, Glass Crane and Stephen Hanan came in um, from California to to projection map the piece and it was sick. It was so great. So 
Um, and I think, you know, we're, we're just excited that New Orleans, I think, continues to be a place that draws artists and artists are willing to come to and experience. And one of the best things about our festival is that, you know, the artists who come in seem to be really interested and willing to meet with the local artists. And that's really helped, I think, impact some, some of our local artists' careers and, and moving their work forward. And with the big building projection on Gallier Hall, mm-hmm. Gallier Hall um, how do you approach that piece as a curator? Because oh, yeah. it used to be one projection piece the whole night that you would loop over the course of the night or four nights, I should yeah. say. But now it seems like there's multiple pieces that are projected. We're actually going to talk to some of the artists that yeah. you work with later on in yeah. the show today. Yeah. Um, so really, I think, you know, for us, we always want to, again, we, I always think about an anchor. So we, when we have new commissions, we look at like internationally who's, you know, who's doing amazing work. Um, this year we have Camille Gross and Olivier Majormans, who I think are actually the best projection mappers of the, of their particular style in, in the world. Um, and, you know, they've been on our radar for a while, but slowly kind of wanted to wait, you know, you don't want to you don't want to start with dessert first. So right. six years in, we were a little like, okay, we're, we're ready for them to come. Um, and then for us, it's a little bit, you know, honestly, it's about trusting our artists and, you know, after the, then we showcase local work. So, I mean, we're investing all that money in the tech and the, you know, infrastructure and the security. I mean, all of this stuff that goes into creating this festival and it's not for an individual artist or small artist collectives, it's not possible for them to, do a projection map over such a large scale building. So, you know, that's that's really important for us to we talk about concept, but but honestly try to, you know, as long as they're within sort of theme or structure, let them let them do what they want to do. So this year we have a piece by Christina Molina and her su- students at a local university and it's sort of claymation kind of style, which is great. Um and then we have, you know, another piece from a 19-year-old um creative arts student graduate who's, you know, I mean, that's not something he could just do, you right. know, you on get a the Saturday. opportunity to project yeah, a map exactly. on a giant public building. Exactly. It's pretty extraordinary. So the more opportunities that we can create for that, the, the better. And it's, and it's really lovely that our audience too is, I think is understanding of that, like that they know that we've sort of built that in that they know, okay, the big show. And then now we're providing local artists the opportunity. And it's been really lovely to see their, their responses. Like they're cheering after, you know, the high school students projection, like that's, that's great. That's like, you can't buy it. You know, that's not something you can kind of create. I really like that. I mean, I think a lot of video mapping festivals around the world tend to feature just these studios, you know, yeah. these studios that you see all over the place over and over yeah. again, like Moment Factory, which is great. Mm-hmm. But it's nice that you actually have local people make giant <laughs> spectacle pieces totally. that are really in- incredible. I mean, Absolutely. I was watching it last night and it's just, it's amazing to watch people react to these works. Yeah. On a, you know, this building is huge. So yeah. Uh, and you're using four projectors, is that right? Yeah, I think it's five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. to cover this whole building, it's pretty impressive. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, I just think it's a, an incredible endeavor to have these four. It's four blocks worth of artwork, <laughs> like public yeah. artwork. How many people are on your team to produce this sort of project? Oh, um, really? We're a very small team at the Arts Council, so we have about six full time, and then we've, you know, we're bringing in some more folks for kind of part time. But um, honestly, I think. Uh, <laughs> It's it's a lot of a lot of just a few just a few folks really. I mean, Lunafet, you know, I work on it all year long. I'm the only team member that does. Um, we have our development director who helps raise money. So we we do hire um, CSAV Productions. They they come in and and do our you know our tech and their team is amazing. And I think because we've kept it small, it feels like family. Like mm-hmm. we always get a little sad when you know our our sort of light circus ends and we have to go our separate ways, but. 
I think we think about next year at that point. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Not yeah, to bring it up true. now no, while you're in the no, middle of it. No, it's but. exciting. But um, yeah, I think, you know, I'm really proud of the team and I'm really proud of the artists. I think, you know, New Orleans is still, you know, we're not New York. We're not Boston. We're not L.A. We don't have huge budgets, but we do a, a lot with, you know, a little. And so it's really great to see everyone stretch and 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 put, pull together and make something beautiful happen for the city. What do you wish you had at uh, Lunafit? Like, what's your ultimate dream artwork? Or do you have, like, a specific type of work you'd like to bring in next year or yeah. thinking about? What I would just love is, honestly, more opportunities for our local artists, for, you know, artists who are emerging. I think it's hard to become, you know, we see a lot of, we have pieces here, too, like Waterlight Graffiti by Antonin Fournay, who, you know, has been, that piece has been traveling the world. It's beautiful. You know, I want that opportunity for our local artists, the opportunity for them to, come up with concepts, you know, create new work. And and so really just just more opportunities for artists to create what they want to do. There's not, there's not that many spaces where you can kind of get that creative freedom as an artist. And so if we can provide that and let our artists grow, like, that's great. And sometimes pieces don't work, you know. We walked the festival the first day. There were a few pieces that needed some tweaking, and we worked on them. And, you know, it's great that the artists are open to that. And I think, you know, after our first night, our festival has been really successful. Yeah, that's great. And how do you choose where to put the pieces in along this walkway? Yeah. I mean, some of them are on the side of buildings, yeah. right? And some of them are in the middle of the street. Yeah. Do the artists have some say in that? Or are they, you going around and putting them, placing yeah, them? Yeah. So they, it's funny. All the artists want to know exactly where they're being placed. And it's hard because as as a curator, we don't know, you know, if if two amazing artists want to be in the same spot, like, what do you do? Um, so we really think we talk to them more about creating a strong concept than thinking about specifically place. Um, besides know, the hall. Obviously, yeah, obviously, right? besides like, yeah. the hall that, that we're working with. So, you know, what's lovely about our campus, and I think the space that we have now is that we have a public park where we show the projection mapping on Gallier Hall. So people can congregate there. Then there's, you know, we have we span multiple city blocks, and they all have a different feel. You know, one block is very sort of, it's tree-lined, it's, you know, more intimate. Like, that's where our smaller pieces can go, and they feel, they don't feel like they're being swallowed by the other pieces or that they're too small. And so it's it allows, again, for that variety of big moments and little moments. You know, this year, we, in the Piazza d'Italia, we worked with um, a group called Dome Collective, and they are doing, you know, a silent disco with projection mapping and you know, they have 500 set headsets and they were like, it's one in, one out all night. Like it was, it was amazing. And then at the same time, we've got that, you know, six person shadow circus that you can kind of go in and sit and create these different moments. And I love when people miss something because that means like they're still they're like, wait, I didn't see that, you know, and that's, and that's great. It kind of keeps you guessing and makes you really like be aware and explore and not just sort of, you know, I think in our everyday lives, we pass by stuff all the time and we're sort of like, okay, I'll, I'll get to that or not really quite paying attention. And this like makes people open up and be aware of, of what's around them. Yeah. I like that. That you sort of discover little things that you wouldn't see on the street or yeah. even in, you've done things in phone booths before. Yeah. So it's really all the artwork is hidden along this path and you have a giant laser beam that guides people as well, which yeah. is also helpful. Which I was just saying, we've had that up for three years and finally I think people have realized, oh, the follow the green laser beam to the end. So it's really, it's been fun to see the city embrace this festival and feel like you know, again, at first they were like, what's happening? Like we didn't, we had no idea. We thought, we thought it would be great and we would try it, but you never know. Um, and so it's been really lovely that, you know, now we have what I, 
I love the fact that we have um, what some people started calling Lunafet babies. So babies <laughs> who were born. These are people who, who no, gave birth no, to no, Lunafet. No. Yeah. They were like the 20. No, no, but you know, that would be great too. <laughs> There's a lot of hidden corners around <laughs> Lunafet. Did you find artwork? Uh, no, but you know, they were born in 2014 and they've been every year. So it's like, they kind so of great. They're like, here's, version. yeah, exactly, for sure. Um, but, you know, we do have some great parties, so maybe there's <laughs> How is it working in New Orleans with a festival like this? There must be sort of um, mishaps or things that you can't control that happen. There's always. And I think the thing that really, I mean, why I love my team so much is that, you know, you when you're doing events and, and a production like this, you have to be quick on your feet. You know, I mean, the stuff that sometimes has been problems or challenges for us is it can be so, like, there's no way to prepare for it. So you just like have what? to be... Um, you know, last year, one of the things we were running out of hot waters, there was a moment where literally eight of us are standing around these water heaters, like wa- literally watching water boil. Like it was just, you know, it's just like, <laughs> oh, my God, like, is this yeah. our problem? Um, yeah, there's just, you know, just just things that happen, I think, that are unexpected. But, you know, again, everyone just realizes, like, this is something really special that we're creating. And if we have to get, you know, a little dirty or do the hard work or stay a little bit later to make it happen, we do. Yeah. And it's great when you can always actually approach the artists by their work, too, and have a conversation with them. Yeah. I feel like this more than other festivals. The artists are always there. You can talk to them, find out what they're thinking about the work. Uh, yeah, we have we have a visiting artist this time who doesn't stay by his work. It was it was so much Shocking to me that that was the case. You know, I think our artists love the opportunity to talk with the public and, you know, get feedback. And, you know, we prepare them for that. I mean, I was sitting by the cloud swings and someone was slightly mad that, you know, it was foggy and wet and a little bit of condensation, you know, fell on them. And I'm like, you're going to get feedback that, you know, is good, but also stuff that you don't, you may not even realize like that, you know, or take it with a grain of salt. Like I think not everyone has to love every art piece and that's completely fine, but you find, you know, to be able to find your people and, you know, what people are drawn to and, that that helps you as an artist to create work that speaks to the folks that you know are interested and you know receptive to your vision. Especially with interactive work, to have people test it out. I mean, yeah. how many people come to Lunafet over the course of the the weekend here? Oh gosh, I mean, this year it's been our Saturday last night. Saturday was banging, so I think we had at least you know a hundred thousand people. Wow. wow. <laughs> That's a lot. Yeah, which is still, I mean, we still have a lot of room to grow, I think, with that, you know, and that's with our artists, too. It's like, again, I think one of the challenges for us is working with, you know, we provide opportunities through our artist training program that um, for them, for artists who haven't necessarily shown public work to show work. And so a lot of that is preparing them for crowds and how to interact and how to manage that. Um, One of the things we're really excited about this year, and this is, you know, not just Lunafet, but the Arts Council as a whole, is we're launching a public art school. Mm -hmm. So we're working with artists to teach them everything from how to, you know, write an application to what juries are looking for, um, how to photograph your work, you know, all of the things that kind of can make them successful. I think that's that's a challenge as a curator who also has to respond to sponsors. You know, our festival is free to the public, so it needs to be you know, our funding is through foundations or corporate sponsors. And, you know, they have to also get interested and excited about the work. And oftentimes, you know, I'll know an artist is great. I'll know they're able to execute, but maybe their proposal isn't that strong and the funder may pass on it versus something that, you know, if someone can do a great proposal, 
they can be selected and it may not be the strongest work. So it's it's a lot of, you know, we're really trying to invest in the artists to make sure that, you know, they're recognized and have all the tools that they need to create more public art in in New Orleans and across the country. That's fantastic. Are you looking yeah. for applications for next year already or is it too soon? Um, is it an know, open application process? We or? Have, yeah, you can go to our you can go to our website. Um, you know, we do we reserve a lot of our spaces for our local artists through our artist training program. Um but oftentimes, you know, some of the pieces that we see are things that either I've seen at other festivals or, you know, just happen to be some of the pieces we've had have been cold calls. Like, you know, an artist will email and, you know, just even on the online forum or email me and just say, hey, I, I think this would be a great fit. And, you know, if I think it'll speak to the people of the city, then, yeah, we'll, we'll talk and we'll move it forward. That's great. Lindsay, thank you so much for joining me. We're going to hear from some actual LunaFet artists now, or another LunaFet artist, I should say, because you're showing work this year. <laughs> uh, but uh, so we're going to split this episode into two parts. So next, we're going to actually talk to some of the artists from LunaFet. But thanks so much for joining me, Lindsay. Thank you. So I'm here right now with Camille Gross. Did I say that right? Yeah, it's okay. perfect. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> One of the artists who worked on the big video mapping piece on Gallier Hall this year. Um, are, you work with video mapping in your practice? Yeah, it's been... Well, almost 10 years I'm working on video mapping right now. So it's been a long time. Um, I used to work for a different festival in Europe because I'm, so I'm French. And I went also in Ecuador, uh, two years ago. So actually it began after my graduation. I started to work with a French artist and, and after I began to work for myself on my own project. And I'm also working with different agencies in, in Paris. Mm-hmm. So my, yeah, I'm just doing mapping. Video mapping is my thing. <laughs> and how were you approached to work at LunaFet? Like, did Lindsay call you or? Well, it's a long story. <laughs> Actually, um, it's very different than the other project. I, I went in New Orleans for the very first time five years ago with, uh, with my boyfriend just to visit it. And we had a crush on the city. I really, I really loved the city. It was, I don't know, we had something special and we saw the cathedral and it was white. And I was thinking, oh my God, we have to do something on it. We have to, we have to do a video mapping. It, it's here for that, you know, with the Mississippi and the, and the old, old place. It's a perfect place to do something. So, um, I made, um, some imaging, so some image and some script about what can we, can we do? And I send it to, <clears throat> to a woman who worked, uh, on the French consulate here in New Orleans. And she, and she introduced me to the art council and I met Lindsay and I went two years ago just to, to meet them and to see the Luna Fet. And so different step like that. And this year, here I am. <laughs> so it's been culminating to this year. Yeah. Basically. It was a long, a long, a long thing, but that's why it's quite special for, for me to be here. And has the idea evolved then since from when you first came to the city, like the idea that you created for Lunafet? Is it the same idea that you pr- you imagined on the cathedral or is it a totally different? No, it's totally different because, well, the cathedral and the galliol are two totally different edifices. So it it's not the same thing, but um, yeah, we created another script, another storyboard and Lindsay, um uh, at the beginning told me that this year there will be a, um, a theme about the, the shadow circus. So we wrote something about it. 
and that's the beginning of of this piece uh, on the Galliol. So walk me through how you created the piece. So you obviously are inspired by buildings, <laughs> but sure. with this building, you know, it's a pretty massive structure in the middle yeah. of New Orleans. Uh, yeah. How do you start with something? Do you storyboard this piece out, the animation yeah. and the visual graphics yeah, and everything? Exactly. At the beginning, what well, the first step uh, is to write a script and um, created a mood board, you know, and after we, I'm working on the image fix on Photoshop. And after that, uh, we are working on the motion design. And at the same time, we're working with a musician to create a, um, an original song just for this. And yeah, it's a big work, uh, teamwork. Yeah. How do you describe the piece? Like, what's the mood board that you started with and how did that evolve? Actually, Lindsay, Lindsay sent me some, um, inspiration that she had on mine, on her mind. And, and we, um, a partir, uh, how do you say, um, and with those, with those mood board, we, we created another mood board, which correspond, um, to my style and my inspiration and what I like to do. And she liked. And then we, yeah, there was different step with an, and discussion with the, with Lindsay to be sure that if it's correct, if it, if it fit with what she had on mine. I don't know if I'm clear. Yeah, it yeah. makes sense. How okay. do you how do you describe your style though as an artist? I'm curious. Well, um it's always difficult to talk about our own work, but I think I would say um I love I, I like what is um about uh the dreamlike. Yeah, something who make the, the people dream and and I, I like to do something really precise, you know, with a little on ornament, mm-hmm. ornament and, and poetic and mysterious. I like the mis- mysterious side of the, of the thing. Yeah. We were just talking about this with the alligator. Yeah. <laughs> Something a bit dark. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. Actually, it's, it's the first time we, we could do that because actually when we, when you work for different fe- other festival and when you work on different show for Christmas for the city, Actually, the city would like something a bit, um, you know, happy, uh, something, yeah, yeah, something happy. And it's not that it's not, it's not like, like the, this piece is not happy. It's just there is something a bit more dark for me, I guess. Yeah, and I feel like there's it kind of fits within the city here yeah, too. Yeah, yeah, right? totally, like totally. When you're walking around New Orleans, there's yeah. something a bit dark about exactly. everything, but and also full of celebration too. Exactly. So the Shadow Circus couldn't be more appropriate um here and how long did it take you to create the entire piece um i would say two months yeah from the beginning from the yeah from the very beginning when we begin to 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 write uh yeah two months and did you finally see it for the first time here or was there an opportunity to test it in some way beforehand no no it's the first time here wow this piece is the it's original for for his for for the city what was it like to see it on the building finally well it's always it's always um, very um, emotional and very. Pr- we are very proud to see it in real. When you work on it on your computer during two months, you um, scary because you don't know if if it will be good gr- good in the on the edifice. You don't know if it, the color will be good or if there will be. You know, depend of the point of view. So when you're not really here, you don't know if it if it will work perfectly. But um, we are happy of the result. 
What are some effects that you enjoy producing when it comes to video mapping onto big buildings? Are there things that you think work really well? Yeah. Um, but actually, it, depend, it really depends on the um, building you're working on. You know, it depends on the color of the, of the, of the facade. It depends on um, of the environment. You know, sometimes is there a building with a lot of pollution, light pollution, so you don't see very well the the color. It's it's not very, it's not very good actually. But this time it's it really yeah the environment is really perfect. The point of view with the place, so you can see the building um, closer or um, from the farther away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> and I'm curious more about the story of this piece. Can you talk a little bit about what the story is and how it evolved? Like- yeah. Um, the the story is, um, so we are in New Orleans. That's the beginning of the, um, of the piece. We are in a street, typical street of New Orleans. And there is a, a little creepy song and, and something appears and it's the shadow circus. So it's like he's coming from, from nowhere. We don't know what is going on. And we're going to travel different, different sets. Uh, so it's not a typical circus, but it's something more, more dark. So you will travel, um, uh, haunted house, um, uh, organ, um, Barbary organ, um, a dan- dancer in the, in the, in the store. Um, what else? Ah, um, a mermaid. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, actually, we wanted to to maybe destabilize a little um, the people and create something, yeah, mysterious and and wonderful at the same time. And at the end of the of the piece, the um, the circus go away and the sun is is is, is awaking mm-hmm. on your lens. Like, and we don't know if it's if it was real mm-hmm. or if it was a dream. If it, well, this is what we wanted to do. Are there like specifics? Are there specifics with the building that are different than working with other buildings in the past when you're working with animation? I mean, because it has these very long columns. Yeah, here I are... already wor- work uh, on this kind of um, building with a column on the first um, plan. Um, but yeah, we have to we have to fit every time with with the building. So we work on the picture that we sent us. It's a picture from. Um, taken from the video projectors, mm-hmm. so like a no. map, kind yeah. of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's quite the same, the same work at the same time. Even if the building is very different, it's the thing is to work on the building. When you put your the, the elements on the column, it had to be on the column or the the windows. Um, yeah. Is it hard to tell stories in that in that three dimensional way? Like to think about a story and architecture together. Yeah. Like the storyboarding must be different. I mean, you said you do it in Photoshop. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I'm thinking about versus, you know, storyboarding a traditional film or movie when yeah. you work with this frame. Actually, frame when is... we, when we do the storyboard, it's like, uh, we, we're not working like, like the cinema within, um, windows like, like this, but, yeah. but, uh, we work on the, on the picture of the, uh, we, we already work on the picture of the facade. So it's exactly the same, but just with a pen. And mm. after I'm doing this on Photoshop there with high re- resolution and with the real element. And yeah, so this is, this is not very complicated. Yeah. Yeah. And then how do you generate the motion graphics, the animation? Are you animating everything yourself then? 
well, we are we are two, so mm -hmm. me and Oliver. Yeah. And another graphic help us to for the for the motion design, but I'm only making the image mm. and the uh, the script and everything, but I'm not working on the motion design. Yeah. So it's a team effort in that case. Yeah. yeah that's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I love the the. It sort of feels very whimsical, but it does have that dark feeling as well. The piece. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> how does how do you think uh, New Orleans has reacted to the work so far? Well, it was really great because it's so it's the last night tonight, and so we've already been there the three the, the three other night, and people were really really happy, and they congratulate they congratulate us, yeah, a lot. So it's the best it's the best thing, and this is what I like here. I don't know if it's special to New Orleans or to America. I don't know. Maybe you could tell me, but um, it's different from Europe. Here, the people like are really happy to see you, and they 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 are very curious about your work. So they ask me a lot of questions. They want to know how does it work, um, um, and they look really really happy. Yeah, I think I think that's a New Orleans thing. Yeah, you think? <laughs> not, I mean, I live in New York, so not yeah. everybody's happy to see you all the time. You I know, know <laughs> I know a little New York, but not very not, not so well. So yeah. I, I yeah, that's why it's special here. People are really really special and kind and this is what i like about this festival and what what made you fall in love with new orleans in the first place As somebody who's from well, a different place and coming here the I, I i couldn't say actually i think it's the the atmosphere or the the experience we have on the moment you know when we arrived we were in total in jet lag so we woke up at five in the morning and we go out and we just walk on the street at five in the morning and there was a, this light, the, I don't know. And we, we met a lot of people so, so nice. It, it, it seems that here the people really, really love, um, their city. Mm -hmm. And I think it's quite unique. People who are so, it looks like people are happy that you're here visiting their city. That's what I felt. And also making artwork, too. I mean, there's such a tradition sure. of making things here. Sure. Um, so I think as an artist, it's pretty, I mean, it's inspirational to me as an artist, you know, <laughs> yeah. just being around the things here. How do you find Lunafed in general, like the whole festival? Really nice. Yeah. Really, is it different than other festivals you've been part yeah, of? Yeah, yeah, really different, really. So um, this is quite special. There is a lot of installation with interaction with people, which is really different of what I used to see before. Um, maybe it's, it's more, more little, but with, yeah, there is a lot of interaction. People seems to have really fun is they are not only spectators. Well, except for the Galliol, but there was a lot of installation that people can interact and, and play. So it, there is a very good energy on it. Have you ever made an interactive piece before? Here in Lunafet? No, just in, in your practice. Oh, no, no, no. Is no. it something you're interested in, in exploring more? Yeah, I don't know anything about it. That's the only thing, but why not? Sure, maybe later, yeah. And what's the next thing you're working on after this, after you're done? And Well, actually, we have to come back tomorrow because we have another show in Biarritz, hmm. the south of France. Not so, a bad place to do a show. Not a bad place at <laughs> all. <laughs> really nice. This yeah. is our third time in Biarritz. So it's another edifice, but... Um, it, yeah, it must be really, really nice too. So we have to, unfortunately, we have to come back. Yeah. Are you going to come back to New Orleans at some point? 
I hope. Yeah, maybe another I wish. Bit, but yeah. <laughs> I wish. Well, it's been great talking with you, Camille. Yeah, me yeah. too. Thank How you do people for... find your work online? What's the best place to find it? Uh, on my website. Yeah. Um, that's my name, 3 www.camillegross.com. Okay, yeah, we'll put we'll put a link to that as yeah, well. Yeah, sure. Episode. Thank you. It yeah. would be great. Thank really you. good to meet you. Have a good time at the rest of uh, Thank Lutafet. You. Thank you. Hey, so I'm here with Courtney Egan, who is a New Orleans-based artist. Is that correct? That is correct. And and how do you uh, describe the kind of work that you you make? I describe it as uh, time-based media, lens-based usually, um, and then. From there, I just get really confused. So that's- <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a media artist uh, in general. Yes, yes. And what? How would you describe the look of a lot of your work? I mean, has it changed over the years? When I first started doing um, digital media, I began After Effects was really the main reason why I got into digital media because I love the idea that you could cut and paste moving imagery, and so yes, it's changed a lot. I would work with bodies a lot more. Mm. And now I've moved to working with plants and flowers and uh, cutting and pasting time lapses that I shoot of those plants and flowers. So they're all actually video footage. Based. It is video footage that is a shot uh, frame frame by frame. So it's um it's single frames. It's not video, you know, it's not motion media at its onset. Uh, it's captured um, single frames that I then composite into movies, and I make um, I make multiple movies of of flowers that I then will collage together. So there, it's like a time lapse process. Is that it? Is correct? it's a time huh. lapse process, and then I do a fair amount of time remapping. And why flowers? Well, I was one of those second wave feminists who thought they would never work with flowers. <laughs> <laughs> and then what happened? <laughs> and then, I don't know, uh, really what happened. I think I had, I'd been working with um, body parts and looking at feature Hollywood filmmaking from the 30s, 40s, and 50s and the fetishization of women's body parts. And then I would cut and paste those body parts together to make Frankenstein's monster style um, collaged women who would do things in loops. And that that's the kind of work I did. And it was very um, self-indulgent because I would, you know, sit and watch a lot of films and then, you know, find the time code of the sections I wanted. It was kind of excruciating. But after, um, really, it was after a natural and man-made disaster, which was Katrina and the resulting federal flood of New Orleans, that I decided that the natural world um, is the thing that is the most important um, condition of life and quality of life for me and for the and for humanity. Mm. <laughs> so, so I really wanted to just start inspecting the closely the the plants native and non-native and invasive that we have here in new orleans and and learn more about them and where they come from and work with those those uh yeah invade and species different species so katrina changed your art practice in that way it did it radically changed my art practice i think one thing that was very interesting was seeing how because of the flood everything was brown i remember distinctly there was this uh, orange tree 
it was maybe three or four months even in the winter after the flood and the whole tree was dead but the orange on it oranges on it were still bright mm-hmm. orange and just seeing that glint of color and otherwise all different shades of brown landscape was very uh, shocking to me and also hopeful in a way and then once we got over the winter suddenly everything started growing again and that was something that was profound for me just to i mean like the mindset after you you know you experience something like that i'm sure many people understand it it just seems that there are more um, disasters happening um it's just hard to see beyond your immediate environment but once that i saw green and life coming back it really opened the world back up for me in a way yeah, is that why you choose to film the flowers rather than create them digitally? I am very interested. A lot of people think like a rose is a rose, right? So they all roses look alike. And I don't really work with roses. I'm just using that as an example. <laughs> but, you know, we have this a platonic form of a flower in our head that we start drawing when we're five years old or younger. And that form actually is, you know, has infinite varieties. Uh, and it's just interesting to me to continue working with the same flower i will i will cultivate and grow or go out and pick the same flower and shoot different individuals of the that flower day after day and watch the different ways in which they open and what time of day they open when they close some of them reopen there's just a lot of variety that people don't normally think about when they think about a flower. So I I think that sort of um, infinite variety inside something that people usually think of as very homogenous is interesting to me. Are all the flowers uh, Louisiana native flowers, or do they're you work not, with? They're not native. They're all ones that ended up here, though. Hmm. Uh, so you know, the magnolia that I've been working with is a native plant, and it is one of the oldest flowering plants. It actually became a flowering plant. It started flowering before there were flying insects. So it was pollinated by beetles, uh, which is an interesting side note because it's just really ancient, ancient plant. Uh, However, a lot of the things I do work with are invasive and non-native species. And one that I worked with recently is called Cat's Claw. And it's a cousin of the jasmine, which is very hardy and also very invasive. And it uh, one of the common sites in New Orleans is, uh, in, in terms of blight, you know, we do have a fair amount of blight here in the city. And one of a very common site is Cat's Claw will take over a house and it will grow greenery green all up the house. And then during a certain time of the year in spring, it'll burst out in yellow flowers. So there'll be these abandoned houses that are just blooming in yellow flowers mm-hmm. in a really cool way. But I like, um, I like working with the non-native plants too. I think it's it's the condition of the the city. It's the you know the spot where you are, and just being able to look at that spot closely. Yeah, I think it's really interesting your work. You have these projections of flowers in different shapes a lot of the time, but there's also a level of interactivity. Um, what? How did you decide to make them interactive in that way? And can you describe the interactivity with your work? And not all of the pieces, but several pieces do have interactivity. And, and what happens is that a uh, viewer's movement and body position will control the blooming of a flower so that the viewer becomes uh, or gets to be in the position 
of controlling the plant or the flower, which is completely, um, you know, not the case, really. <laughs> it seems like the history of the world is man trying to control their environment, right? So um, I'm kind of fast forwarding and, and playing with the idea of being able to control some of that environment and what that, you know, what that feels like. Is that, you know, does that come from living in New Orleans in some way? I mean, it feels like nature has such a power here that other places we take for granted a lot of the time, or we used to now, maybe it's happening everywhere more, Mm -hmm. but I feel like there's part of New Orleans is dealing with the ever-changing weather systems here. Um, Yes. I I think that uh, living here, you're totally in a year by year mindset because of the whole hurricane season. And I know lots of people deal with that, you know, with different things with fires and, you know, many other phenomena. So um, once we get to June, hurricane season starts and the tension and the anxiety around the city just kind of amps up um, and it gets really hot and, you know, it's just not a fun, really fun time of year. Although there's a lot of fun things happening, but still you can just feel the anxiety and people watch the weather very closely. And anytime there's something, some sort of disturbance that enters the Gulf of Mexico. So yes, people are very attuned with the weather and how it can affect their environment here. And it's a yearly cycle. So for me, I always think about New Orleans as being this place where it's hard for people to build momentum with projects, businesses, art, the world of art, mm-hmm. because you're constantly in this cyclical, like you're at the, you know, you know, you, you are bowing down to this cyclical power of nature that you realize could, you know, everything you have here could be gone literally in that day or so. <laughs> What's the what's the art world like in New Orleans and being part of it here? I mean, your work is shown in museums here and you work with galleries as well? I do. I didn't work with galleries for about 20 years because nobody wanted to show video art. Yeah. And <laughs> I know how that is. I know lots of people <laughs> understand that. And uh But now it seems like there's video in a lot of the museums here in galleries too, mm-hmm, so it mm-hmm. seems like it's changing quite a bit. Yes. I finally got into a gallery with some video work. 10 years ago, it was called Harry Hard Chimino Gallery. It was on Julia Street. And um, Jean Chimino took a chance on me, and it was really awesome to show the work. It was um, the middle of June. It was hot outside. And then there had five or six projectors inside, and it was hot inside. <laughs> <laughs> and they were really kind. But um, the art world here is, it's a small pond, you know, and and that's a good thing in lots of ways because people know each other and work with each other really well. It doesn't really feel competitive. It feels more collaborative. And I think that artists here band together just because we know that we're, there's not very many of us. Mm -hmm. Uh, But after Katrina, there was a big group of people who started a bunch of collective art galleries in the Upper Ninth Ward. And I was one of the people who helped start um, one of three spaces, uh, Antenna, The Front, and Good Children Gallery. And those those really helped build the scene for artists who, who have trouble selling their work because they're working on the uh, foref- forefront of whatever media they're interested in working in. 
And is there the kind of funding that you for the arts here that you'd find in other cities? I mean, it seems like there's so many artistic activities happening constantly that that could either be a good thing or a bad thing, right? <laughs> People are putting their money into Mardi Gras or putting their money into other festivals. Um, but are, are there patrons of the arts here that really support digital work too? Or yes, that? there are. There are patrons of the art, and there are. There's not too many of them, but you know, we're really thankful for the mm-hmm. people that we have here who do support it. Um, there's like Lunafet is has become a great supporter of the arts. Uh, the Arts Council has really picked the ball up on that and has run with it. In New Orleans, yes, most people's expendable funds go to Mardi Gras. They're either in a Mardi Gras crew, they're paying dues to ride in a parade, or they're buying thousands of pounds of plastic beads from China to throw off of the Mardi <laughs> Gras floats. So I've, I've always complained that Mardi Gras takes over the what what expendable income would normally go to art in other cities. You know, I, I feel that strongly. It's it's definitely that and food. Right. <laughs> but, you know, I'm not going <laughs> to complain about the food. Yeah, yeah I'm not going to hate on that. <laughs> Is there a plan to deal with the beads? I mean, since you brought up the beads, I'm curious, especially since your work has to do with plants and is there an alternative to that? Have you <laughs> encountered plant-based alternatives or no, I mean, biodegradable I there alternatives? Was, there was somebody making plant-based beads in Baton Rouge, mm-hmm. but I don't think it really took it got momentum. I know that uh, Drew Breeze's wife, I think, for a while had this effort to do handmade throws in mm-hmm. parades, which I, which I think is awesome, but people aren't going to shell out the money for that. And really, everyone loves a good spectacle. And that's, you know, that's part of what Lunafed is. And that is what Mardi Gras is, being pelted with things that people are throwing at you off the float. I mean, it's a very um, hierarchical arrangement as well, hearkening back to, you know, oligarchies and monarchies. And and it's a situation where there's literal levels of people who are, you know, higher in society than you are when you're on the street and... They want to share their bounty of plastic beads with you. So. <laughs> it's such a bizarre thing when you look at it that way, right? Yes. <laughs> you step outside of it yeah. for a second. I mean, I have to admit, being someone who's from here, I totally get into it. If I go to a parade, I find myself unable to stop from like jumping up and down screaming for crap. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Speaking of spectacle, um, something that I face, and I don't know if you face this too, so I'm kind of curious, is with when it comes to new media artwork, a lot of the time we're placed, or I feel like I, my work sometimes is placed as a spectacle in, into the world, mm-hmm. maybe not even thought mm-hmm. of as like an artwork. Do you find that that happens in New Orleans more because there's these other giant activities that go on? Or is it really like, is is it different than to show your work in a gallery versus to project, project it on the street? Is there that kind of tension here or not so much? Could you explain that a little bit more? I guess like, like, you know, I I see a lot of video mapping pieces today and, you know, I don't know if galleries would take them seriously as artwork sometimes, you know what I mean? Or or if even art patrons would take them seriously as Mm -hmm. artworks. I mean, I don't take them seriously as artwork. (laughs) (laughs) But you're an artist who shows, I mean, you're participating in different events, I mean, just like, you know, just like any art form, there's good art and bad art. Yeah, Uh, of course. Yeah. Yeah, so I think that um I guess my question is is more, you know, there's all these artists that participate in Mardi yeah. Gras and create these very artistic yeah. representations in uh, Mardi Gras. Right. But, you know, do they not view themselves as as artists in that way or they do or Oh, you know, there... yeah, that's interesting. I you know, I know a few people who work in the dens and that's what the Mardi Gras cr- uh floats, that's where the floats are kept. They're kept in a place called a den and then each den has its own roster of artists who they use. And the artists are usually employed, 
I don't know, like nine months out of the year. And they have a few months off after Mardi Gras, and then they just start making floats again. And some of those people think of themselves as artists. They used to have a studio with one of them. Other um, Others don't, you know. They're very business and very, you know, nonchalant about their ability to render these pretty amazing things. You yeah, know, exactly. There's an extremely high degree of artistry. One of the parades was one of the first to start using LEDs in the 90s. I don't remember. I think it's Orpheus. It was Harry Connick Jr.'s parade. Mm. And they they made these be- unbelievably beautiful, spectacular floats um, that were gorgeous. So there's, I think that a lot of people in New Orleans are artists of one sort or another. And food is included in that. And, you know, it's a, it's, it is a place that I really, I love that about it. Because there's not um, this dividing line between creativity, who's creative and who's not, which I find some people have this mental divide. And a lot of that, too, is it's because of Mardi Gras. The one thing I do love about Mardi Gras is the masking tradition. And there are local street crews that don't have floats, but they do a lot of masking and they work on each individual and the crew will work on a unique costume all year long. and that. Those costumes are fabulous, and that's one of the most fun and interesting things about the city. And the day of Mardi Gras is super fun because it's mostly about getting on your your crazy costume, whatever it is, and going and encountering strangers and seeing, you know, having these amazing interactions with people who, you know, somehow you see and something about their costume speaks to you and you get to, you know, have some sort of exchange with them. You become someone else. Yeah, it's so like much that. fun. So that is a really awesome part about Mardi Gras. And with Lunafet this year, you, you're working on two different pieces, right? You have your own work and you're also working on a piece for Gallier Hall. Is that right. correct? I worked with uh, the Arts Council of New Orleans has a group of teenagers called the Young Artist Movement. And those teenagers have been... Um, I'm not sure how they get selected, but some of them have worked together for a few years running. They're always getting some new uh, teens on. The youngest one I worked with was 15, and the oldest was probably 19 or so. And they are uh, really accomplished artists. These these teens are amazing at what they do. They've been working with a lot of muralists in town because we've recently had a... Uh, a big batch of murals go up that the arts council has been responsible for. And the, the teens are used to you working analog, but this was one of the first times that they were able to learn a little bit digitally and begin to work in a digital process. So that was unique for them. And how many people worked on that project? Five, hmm. five right. teens worked on it. What was the process like for working with them? This is the first time they've done video mapping, I assume, right? It is. And for the, the the mapping process was maybe secondary just to the whole uh, concept creation and image creation. So we spent a lot of time, I spent a lot of time, probably too much getting to know them and looking <laughs> at their artwork yeah. and realizing that they were all really strong um, ren- ren- at rendering, drawing, and painting. So I wanted to work to their strengths. I decided that we would do some setup hand-drawn animation or cell-based animation, which is, you know, not the quickest thing to do. <laughs> so we um, we also decided to base it on some uh, imagery that we shot using a camera. So they did a fair 
amount of rotoscoping as well. We would use, um, you know, tools like uh, Animate CC mm-hmm. and, and you know, they would shoot, we would shoot still photos, video. We would do some rotoscoping. They would really get into the process of it. But, you know, at the end of a few hours, they would have like maybe 10 frames drawn. <laughs> so when, one of the things I did was go in and fill out some of their animation a little bit um, and then try to weave them all together. The students reflected on things that were uh, really important to their life and then what the opposite of that thing would be. And we talked about ways of unifying opposites in a way. So they they made um, imagery of themselves and then they drew out words that transformed in some way, in some cases. And so I worked with those two elements, uh, their portraits and their words and put it together and mapped it on the Gallier Hall. Yeah, it's, it's an incredible piece. I mean, it's interesting oh, that it was done you. by five different people because it seems to have such a co- cohesive style to the whole work. Oh, that's good to hear. <laughs> Did they see it projected on the building? Yeah, they've seen it. They, you know, we had no way of really previewing it. Yeah. So I don't really think they knew what exactly it was going to look like. And what and, were their reactions once they saw it? Oh, they were they were pretty amazed, you know? Yeah, I think I they were thrilled. Yeah. <laughs> it's a pretty good deal to have thrilled. your work projected on a giant building, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> good for your resume, that's for sure. Yeah. One yeah. really fun aspect of it was that one of the students, one of the teenagers was a poet, and he wrote a lot on his Instagram posts. He would do a whole poem along with a visual, with a photo. So we took some of his writing we he actually looked at all those words that the students came up with and he made a piece with all of those words in it and that's what the music is um we got to go to a place where i used to work called new orleans center for creative arts and they have an audio recording studio there so they recorded him there and another student from there provided the music the beat that his poetry is set to so i used to do video poems with teenagers a lot and i feel like this is another example of a video poem hmm. yeah I, I got that from it for sure we'll definitely post a video of the piece also okay, on our instagram so people can check it out and what's the piece that you created for luna fett the, the piece, piece that- i created for luna fett is called metaflora and it's based on something i pitched to you gabe a couple <laughs> years ago yeah we met a couple years ago <laughs> yeah yeah so it is one of my pieces it's it's a magnolia piece I had done a Magnolia piece previously that was not interactive, so I decided I wanted to create one that was interactive. And it's a a smaller version of a bigger piece I had at the Ogden Museum, where when a viewer walks in, on one wall, flowers open, and as they walk around to the other wall, the flowers begin to die. So it's basically a mirror, and they see themselves reflected in the blooming flowers and in the dying flowers. And this is just the blooms at Luna Fett. Mm-hmm. And uh, why did you make that choice not to include the dying flowers? Um, it was more based on technical concerns yeah. than anything else. <laughs> you weren't shielding the Luna Fett audience from <laughs> from the death of the flowers. <laughs> no. And what's the reaction been like to the to this piece? It took me a little while to figure out uh, how to get it set up properly, but because mm-hmm. it's small, luckily it was easy to move around a bit. And it's been good. People are often surprised when they walk by. There's a lot of double takes and people stop. It's right in um, the cameras on one side of the street and the flow of traffic is down the middle of the street and the projected projected images on the opposite side. So, you know, as they see themselves and see the their silhouette mirrored in the projection as blooming flowers, then they do a double take and come back and play with it for a while. And what... 
just overall, maybe not even in just in LunaFed, but what do you hope people take away from your work when they see it? This new body of work, I guess. I think that I would like for people to... <laughs> it's a hard question. <laughs> it's a hard question. It's a really hard Getting question. Getting at the root of your soul here I with know, this question. <laughs> right? You know, I've been starting to look more into plants that are threatened and endangered. And I think what I would like people to think about is the futility of trying to control nature. Uh, in some way, I might be trying to get at that in a roundabout way. And the more advantageous method of working with the natural world, because everything's a part of the natural world, kind of, you know, I, you can kind of say that we all come from it. So um, it's uh, it's something that we have to consider and deal with. And when you live in a city, you know, it's easy just to ignore nature mm -hmm. and it's over there in that park or it's, you know, in my windowsill, but it's much bigger than that. <laughs> yeah. And especially in New Orleans, I think. Yeah. Courtney Egan, thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, we're going to post links to your work too on the podcast. Thank you. Uh, for State of the Art, this is Gabe BC. I'm going to go have some fun at LunaFet right now and have a good time in New Orleans. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of State of the Art. State of the Art is an at-art production created by Ethan Appleby. Our producer is Vanessa Wilson and our audio in engineer extraordinaire, well, he should really cut this up, is Weston Stevens. Uh, I'm in New Orleans this week. Next week, we're going to be off for the holiday season. Uh, so I hope you have a great rest of 2019. It's the end of the decade. Who knows what's going to happen next year? You know, you never know. Uh, but I'm excited and hopefully we'll have some really great guests coming up in the next decade. I'll see you then.